few months ago, I had a pastor that reached out and he said, Brother Pope, he said, I'd like you to come to a meeting. And he said, it's a different, different kind of meeting. He said, we're going to have uh, young, a lot of young preachers. And he said, we're going to have their wives. And he said, uh, young pastors. And he said, we're going to bring all these, these men in. And he said, I want, uh, I want an older man to come. And, <clears throat> and he said, I want to... <laughs> I was only offended for just a little bit of time. And he said, I want an older man to come. And he said, I want them to speak on longevity, longevity in the ministry. By the way, I was honored at that. And it was a wonderful event. I'm telling you, we had a, it, was, it was a very special time. It really was. And my wife and I enjoyed it so much. And then the other day, I had a pastor reach out and he said, Pastor, I want you to come up to Burnsville. And he said, I want you to to be a part of it. He said, we've got a ministry podcast we've been doing. And he said, the thing's just called on. And he said, I'd like you to come up. And I said, okay, we'll do that. And so we drove up and they had not told me anything about the content. And so we got up there and we got all wired up and all that kind of things. And I said, we were just talking a little while before the, the broadcast. And I said, what, what do you want me to speak on? He said, oh, we want you to talk about longevity in the ministry. That's what we want you to talk about. And so uh, anyway, I want to talk to you tonight about longevity, longevity. And as you can see on the screen, I'm entitling it Some Good Reasons Not to Quit. Some Good Reasons Not to Quit. And um, the other day I was, uh, y'all probably do this too. First thing in the morning, I mean first thing, first thing before I brush my teeth, before I do anything, I try to start my day with the Word of God, at least a verse or a couple verses or something. Um, I'll tell you something I've enjoyed doing too, and that's memorizing scripture. And as I start in the morning, sometimes I'll just, in my mind, I'll quote a scripture. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, you know, and, and just, and I'll quote, a, I'll quote some scripture. And, and then, of course, during the day, I have a season of time that I spend some time in the word of God and, and try to spend some time in prayer. And then right before I go to bed, right before I lay my head down on the pillow and go to sleep, I try to end my day with scripture. And I want that that to be one of the last things I do before I lay down is in with Scripture. Well, I grabbed my Bible. We were getting ready to go to sleep, and I grabbed my Bible, and I just sort of let it fall open. You ever do that? And it fell open to Job 42. And I started reading a few Scriptures, and it was like it, was like it literally just leaped out of the page. And so I want to use Job 42 tonight as our jumping board. So uh, when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's stand. We're going to read several verses tonight, more than we normally do. And so Job chapter 42, and look, if you will, at verse number 1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything. <laughs> Boy, we're off to a good start, aren't we? And Job said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that, that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not. Things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Here I beseech thee and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. That was the verse that caught my attention right before going to sleep. Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. If you ever really get to know the Lord, it'll tell on you. And you'll sort of see yourself as what you really are. That's what Job is saying. Verse 7, And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz, The Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee, 
and against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right as my servant Job hath. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering and my servant Job shall pray for you. For him will I accept lest I deal with you after your folly in that ye have not spoken of me the thing which is right like my servant Job. So Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Namathite went and did according as the Lord commanded them. The Lord also accepted Job. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came there unto him all his brethren, all his sisters, and all they that had been of his acquaintance before, and did eat bread with him in his house, and they bemoaned him and comforted him over all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money, and everyone an earring of gold. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep, and 6,000 camels, and 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 she-asses. Verse 13, he had also seven sons and three daughters. By the way, somebody says, preacher, why didn't God give him twice as many? Well, he didn't lose those. He, all those 10 children died. God gave him 10 more, but he didn't lose those first 10. And so he, they, they were in heaven. That's what the Bible is teaching us there. I want to talk to you about that subject, some good reasons not to quit. And so you may be seated tonight. And uh, I, I can honestly tell you this. I can honestly tell you this as your pastor. Usually by Sunday night after the service, before I'm asleep on Sunday night, I'm already praying for truth. I'm already praying that God will show me what, what our people need. I pray this prayer often. Lord, give me wisdom to shepherd the flock that you've given me. And I, and I, uh, and, uh, I, don't, know, I don't know about y'all, but I know something about me. I've not arrived. And so I'm praying, Lord, show me truth. God, show me what my people need. Show me what your people need. Now, I'm not the shepherd. I'm not the chief shepherd. I'm just the under shepherd. And and so I'm praying, Lord, show me what your people need. Show me what your people need. So I honestly believe beyond a, beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are 100% in the will of God tonight. And so that tells me something. That tells me there's somebody here tonight that God has purposely honed in on you. And that heavenly satellite has, has just narrowed it down to somebody here tonight. And there's somebody that needs this message. And it could be somebody on the live stream, somebody watching by way of live stream but some good reasons not to quit. Let's pray tonight and ask God to help us. Father, we thank you for your blessings. Lord, as we take just a few moments and focus our attention on the word of God, I pray, God, that, that you'll meet every need tonight. You're so good to do that. You're such a wonderful, personal Savior. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll fill us with the Spirit of God. I pray that you'll fill these dear people and Lord, sometimes I refer to them as my people, but they're really not. They're really your people. And God, I pray tonight that you'd fill them with the Spirit of God. And God, I pray that you'd fill, Lord, this pastor with the Spirit of God tonight. And I pray that, that all that's done would uplift the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that, that there'd be a spirit of help in here tonight and that folks would be encouraged and that we would go home uh, Lord, so glad that we came. It's, it's very possible. In fact, it's probable 
that there's someone here tonight and before the service, they didn't feel like coming. They thought about not coming. They thought about staying home tonight, but they pushed forward and they came on tonight. And I pray God that after this service that they'll be so glad they came. Lord, we're so thankful for the live stream, but Lord, there's nothing like the real thing. And so I pray, Lord, tonight that you'll knit our hearts together and, and I pray that you'll help us to learn a great truth. And I pray that we'll be the servants that you so desire. Fill us now, I pray. Holy Spirit, have your way in the service. I, I plead the blood of Jesus over this time together, over this service. Please, please help us tonight. And we thank you and we love you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. Well, it was 1972 and NASA launched the exploratory space probe called the Pioneer 10. According to Leon Jeroff in Time Magazine, the satellite's primary mission was to reach Jupiter, to photograph the planet and its moons, and beam data to Earth about Jupiter's magnetic field, radiation belts, and atmosphere. Scientists regarded this as a bold plan, for at that time, no Earth satellite had ever gone beyond Mars, and they feared the asteroid belt would destroy the satellite before it could reach its target. But Pioneer 10 accomplished its mission and much, much more. Swinging past the giant planet in November 1973, Jupiter's immense gravity hurled Pioneer 10 at a higher rate of speed toward the edge of the solar system. At one billion miles from the sun, Pioneer 10 passed Saturn. At some two billion miles, it hurled past Uranus, Neptune, at nearly 3 billion miles, Pluto at almost 4 billion miles. By 1997, 25 years after its launch, Pioneer 10 was more than 6 billion miles from the sun. And despite that immense distance, Pioneer 10 continued to beam back radio signals to scientists on Earth. Perhaps most remarkable, writes Jeroff, is this, those signals emanate from an eight-watt transmitter, which radiates about as much power as a bedroom nightlight and takes more than nine hours to reach Earth. The little satellite that could was not qualified to do what it did. Engineers designed Pioneer 10 with a useful life of just three years, but it kept going and going and going. By simple longevity, its tiny 8-watt transmitter radio accomplished more than anyone thought possible. So it is. When we offer ourselves to serve the Lord, God can take or God can work even through someone with an 8-watt ability. God cannot work, however, through someone who quits. Well, what a true story. I'd, I'd read that story before, but it never fit like it fit tonight. What a great story that is. And I think if there's one thing that we can say about our Bible character tonight that we read about, about the Bible character of Job, it's that Job did not quit. That Job, uh, in the midst of overwhelming hardship, exhibited amazing longevity. Longevity. Now, I know that's not a word that you that you hear a lot, maybe not a word that you use a lot, but, but I want to talk to you about that word, longevity, longevity. 
The, the, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines longevity as long continuance. I like that. It means this, and I've got this in all caps and big bold letters on my outline. It means this, it means permanence. Or, and I love this one. You're going to find out I love this whole sermon outline tonight. It means durability. Durability. Longevity means permanence or durability. Now, you say, Pastor, why do you love that so much? Because it seems like that long continuance and things like permanence and things like durability no longer seem to be the norm in this culture we're living in today. We're living in the age of quitters. That's the truth. It really is. We live in that mindset and the, that mentality of if, if, if every single thing doesn't go my way, if everything doesn't seem to suit my fancy, I'll just quit. Now, and, and by the way, you know I'm not preaching anything that you don't already know. And it's not always my job as the pastor to teach you something you don't know. It's my job as the pastor just to remind us of things that we already know. But that's the generation that we're living in. And I want to talk to our, well, I hope our young people will tune me in here tonight. And I know that we're the old school and I know that we're the dinosaurs and all that kind of thing. But, uh, but I'm going I'm to be honest with you. Uh, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, we were doing a whole lot better off than we are nowadays. Now, we may have more technology. We may have more devices. Uh, we may have uh, more scientists and all these kind of things. Uh, we, we may have more, uh, and we, I guess we do, we have more educated people than we've ever had. But I'm telling you what, we are living in a dumb generation. Amen. And if there's anything we're lacking, we're lacking common sense nowadays. But we're living in that, that, that day when if everything's not exactly perfect, we just quit. Whether it's a job. And every one of you, every one of you supervisors know what I'm talking about. It's almost mission impossible to find anybody to work. Am I telling them the truth tonight? I mean to find somebody that'll show up on time, to find someone that'll punch in every day, and if there is some sickness, then at least they'll have the decency to call in and say, I, I've got the flu, I've got a fever, I'm not going to make it today, but man, we're just living in that generation where nobody wants to work, and, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody tonight, y'all know that, I, I didn't come here tonight with the, uh, with, with the goal to pick on anybody tonight, but I'm telling you what, we're living in that generation where, man, kids are hanging around and hanging around and hanging around and, and, uh, and enjoying mom and dad's air conditioning and enjoying mom and dad's gas and enjoying mom and dad's heat and enjoying mom and dad's bedroom and, 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 and I know that there are different circumstances but I'm just telling you you young people if you want to know what God's will is for you it's that you as you get older that, that you get a job and that you raise some income and that, that you become a self-sustaining uh, individual and citizen it, uh, listen it's called leave and cleave you're not supposed to live with your mom and dad till you're 50 years old can I get an amen right there you say, well, you know, Pastor, I, yes, no, let, let's quit making excuses. Just go out and get you a job and, and save your money like your mom and dad did and save your money like your grandpa and your grandma did and don't spend it on every electronic game. And, and you say, well, preacher, I want that. You, no, you don't have to have it. You'll survive without an Apple Watch. I promise you that. And, and you'll survive. You know what? You could make it with a flip phone. Did you know that? You really could. 
You don't have to have the latest, greatest, uh, you know, computer. And by the way, for that matter, you don't have to have the latest, greatest brand new car. Uh, man, just, just make some money, save your money, uh, 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 and just uh, start out in a little single wide. That's, that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. Start out in a little single wide, a uh, little half acre. You don't have to have 10 acres, just half acre land. And, uh, uh, and uh, you don't have to have all the nice things of life. And uh, by the way, I don't know how I got on all that, but I'm glad I did anyway. I mean, I, I feel a whole lot better uh, now. That I, that, that I said all that, but I'm just saying this, just get you a job and stay with it. You say, well, pastor, they're only paying me $10 an hour. And I'm like, what? Man, I see, I see these companies, I see these companies starting pay, 15 bucks, 16 bucks an hour. I'm thinking, say what? And yet these companies can't find anybody to work. I mean, they are struggling to find young people who will come in every day and work a job, and yet they're paying, uh, uh, paying th this kind of money. And now again, I, I'm getting way off. I, I, that's what you call chasing a rabbit right there. But it had a lot of meat on it. I mean, it really did. That was a fat rabbit right there. It really was. Longevity. Longevity. Man, just when I went to Bible college, Phil Sally, and you had to know Phil Sally. He was, uh, Phil Sally was a, one of a kind. He was a no-nonsense kind of guy. When we came to Indiana, he helped me get a job, and he pretty much told me, Brother Pope, you get there and stay there. You know what I did? I got there and stayed there. Was it always pleasant? Wasn't always pleasant. In fact, a lot of times it was very unpleasant. But I just stayed there the whole time. I'm talking about uh, people just bail out. Uh, just, I'm talking about things like marriage. When everything's just not perfect. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm telling us tonight, there is no perfect marriage. There's no, there's no perfect marriage. By the way, any couple that tells you that we have the perfect relationship and uh, you be careful about that. They'll probably try to sell you some land, you know, some, some oceanfront property in Kansas before it's over with and uh, bailing out of marriage, bailing out of church. A quitting ministry. It seems like nobody wants to really stay with anything very much, you know, uh, any longer. Uh, again, uh, forgive me, but, but I just, I found the statement, but Chuck Swindoll said this 10 years ago, 10 years ago, for every wife who left her family, 600 husbands did. Today, for every man who leaves, two women do. We're in a mess. Now, now, you want me to tell you what's really sad? Is this, that we're quitting, not over serious things. We're quitting over foolishness. We're, we're quitting over things that are absolutely just petty. I'm not talking about serious things. I'm talking about petty things. We're quitting jobs. We're quitting marriages. We're quitting churches, not over doctrinal issues, not because the pastor got up and preached some kind of heresy. We're quitting churches because somebody looked at me wrong. Somebody didn't shake my hand. Somebody didn't put me on a list. Somebody didn't, you know, somebody didn't look at me just right. I mean, brother, and you say, pastor, that's not going on. Yes, it is going on. I'm telling you, people are bailing out all over the place over things that don't matter. As my dad used to say, things that don't amount to a hill of beans. And I'm just saying this, listen, could we... We have a, a, a group of people at the Calvary Baptist Church who would say, you know what? By the grace of God, I may not do everything right, but by the grace of God, if God will help me, I'm not going to quit. Amen. 
I'm going to exhibit some longevity. Now I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you three lessons tonight concerning this thing of longevity. And they're good. Boy, they're, they'll, they'll encourage you. Number one, I want you to notice this. The longevity lends itself to sight. Now I want you to, Job 42, you're in Job 42. Look at verse number five. Wow, what a verse. What a verse. You understand that Job has just come out of the trial of all trials, the valley of all valleys. And Job has attended a funeral. There were 10 caskets lined up in the front of the church. All 10 of his children are gone. All 10 of his kids are, are dead. Job is cursed from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet with sore boils, some kind of canker, some kind of sores. Job is sitting in the ash heap, scraping himself with a piece of pottery of some kind, scraping the corruption out of the sores, out of his body, just trying to get a little bit of comfort from the, from the, the heat of the fire. Uh, Job's lost his, lost his success. Job has lost his prosperity. Job has lost his home. Job has lost his livestock. Job has lo lost his, uh, uh, his workers. And notice what Job says in Job 42 and verse number five. He says, I have heard of thee, by the hearing of the ear, oh yes, good neighbor. He said, but now, but now mine eye seeth thee. You know what Job was saying? For the longest time I heard of your greatness. But Job said, I stayed with it. Hey. Amen, Job. But one of these days when I get to heaven, I hope I can just, <laughs> way to go, Job, way to go. And Job said, for all these years, I heard your greatness. But he said, I stayed with it, and I stayed with it, and I stayed with it. And he said, I stayed with it long enough now. I'm not just hearing about your greatness, but he said, I'm seeing your greatness. That's what he's saying. I heard about it and heard about it, but he said, hey, I hung in there through thick and through thin. And he said, now, I'm not just hearing it. Job said, I'm seeing it with my eyes. I've not arrived but after being saved for almost 40 years and pastoring for almost 30, I can honestly tell you this, Calvary, that I've stayed with it long enough not just to hear about the goodness of God. I've saw it. <laughs> you say, Pastor, what is your deal? What is your problem? Uh, can I tell you what my problem is? I've seen it. Amen. I've not just heard about the goodness of God. I've seen the goodness of God. Hey, thank God. On those days when I felt like quitting, on those days when I felt like throwing in the towel, hey, hallelujah, I hung in there with it. And now because of that, brother, it's not just something I heard about. It's not just something my mom and dad told me about. It's not just something that my granny told me about. I'm telling you, because I've hung in there, I've seen the goodness and the greatness of God myself. What do you mean, preacher? Well, well, we could go 10 million different ways with this one. I've watched as God has done miracle after miracle in our building program. And, and, and I won't go into all those stories because you've heard, you've heard them all, although they're good to hear the second time or the third time or the fourth. But you, you've heard the stories, how God gave us this property. I mean, you're, you're sitting in a miracle. You're sitting on a miracle. I mean, to be honest with you, Calvary, really, this church shouldn't be where this church is. And yet, how many know that there is a God? And, and when everything looks impossible and when everything looks like it's not going to work out, boy, that's just when we see God show up. We've saw God blessed with offerings 
that were totally unseen. Again, you've heard those stories. Sitting in my office, phone rings. Is this Reverend Pope? Yes, it is. The Reverend Pope of Calvary Baptist Church? Yes, it is. Uh, the, uh, the Reverend Pope of Calvary Baptist Church in Union Grove? Yes, ma'am, it is. She said, Brother Pope, just making sure that you got your letter. My name is Mrs. Staley. I said, well, Mrs. Staley, I, I, no. I said, we didn't get any. Oh, she said, I'm so sorry. She said, you and several other churches were supposed to have received a letter letting you know that your church has become the benefactor of the, and she called the name of the man. And she said, you didn't get your, I said, we didn't get, didn't get it. She said, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Just apologizing. I said, Miss Staley, not a problem. She said, well, I have, the, I have the good fortune of letting you know that I have some money for you. Oh, those are wonderful calls. We love those calls. <laughs> and then she said this, I bet you're dying to know how much. I said, matter of fact, I am. By the way, Calvary, if, if she would have said, Pastor, we have $1,000 for you, we'd have shouted. I'm telling you, we would have shouted. I would have told the church about it. I mean, we would have shouted about it. And, and she said, Preacher, how about $67,000, over $67,000? And that next day, she walked down here. Brother Allen met me down here. Miss Ann met me down here. And she walked in with a little personal check and gave the church an offering of over $67,000. And I'm telling you, Calvary, there is a God. Amen. There is a God. Don't try to convince me he's not here. Don't try to convince me he's not alive because I I'm telling you, you're looking at a man tonight that hasn't just heard about it. I've not just heard preaching. I've not just heard some testimonies. Brother, I want to tell you what. I've seen it firsthand. I've seen it firsthand. Man, we've, we've watched this. God has, I'm telling you, it's, it's just supernatural. It is supernatural. We're getting ready to, we're getting ready to finish the, the parking lot. And by the way, some of that was my, some of that was my, can I say discretion slack, uh, slash lack of faith, you know? I'm counting all the dollars and the pennies and we're building this building and I'm thinking, oh, we won't have to make sure it got enough. And it was going fast. It was going fast. And so y'all know we left some gravel around the edges of the parking lot there. By the way, that wasn't too bad, was it? And then we decided one day, well, we'll go ahead and finish. We've got the building built. We're inside, God's blessing. We'll go ahead and build, you know, finish the parking lot. This is the truth, I'm telling it. Just as soon as we did that, somebody came up to him and said, Preacher, here you go. Finish the parking lot. Finish the parking lot. $40,000. Yeah, now, again, I'm just saying this. You understand, that's just two little illustrations. I mean, it's been miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Uh, we've saw people saved that we never thought would get saved. We've watched as God has performed miracles in our family and our church family. We've had people in our church, church, I'm telling you the truth tonight, we've had folks in our church that have been chronically ill, chronically ill, and we have anointed those folks with oil and prayed for them. We prayed for them, and we have saw God. And I'm not saying God does it like that every time, but I'm just telling you, we've saw God do the absolute miraculous, and God has pulled those people out of a physical valley. I'm talking about cancer. I'm talking about different ailments, and we saw God touch them and raise them from that ailment, from that affliction. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying this, church. I've not just heard it. Hallelujah. I've seen it. I've seen it. We've watched as God has answered specific prayer. 
We've prayed specific prayer. I'm talking about specific prayer. And we have watched a God with the preciseness that a surgeon would use with a scalpel. We've watched God answer those specific prayers. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that I've I've hanged in there long enough that I've not just heard about the greatness of God. I've seen the greatness of God. Maze Jackson, our little Adrian is named after Maze. Maze Jackson enrolls in North Carolina State University. And one of the first classes that he goes to, the college professor gets up in front of the class and says, young people, he said, I will prove to you in the course of this study that there is no God, that the Bible's not true, that heaven's just a fairy tale, that Jesus was just a man, that there is no God. He did that several times. And, uh, and all of a sudden, one, one day in the class, Brother Mays Jackson was seated toward the back of the class, and that teacher was just going on about there is no God, there is no God, there is no God. Brother Mays raised his hand. College professor said, Mr. Jackson, do you have a question? Brother May said, yes, he said, yes, I do. He said, you said there is no God. And the professor said, that's exactly right. And Brother May said, well, I have a question. Where does biscuits come from? College professor said, excuse me, Mr. Jackson. He said, you said there is no God. He said, that's right. He said, then where did those biscuits come from? What are you talking about? And Brother Mays said, when I was coming up, he said, we sort of came up on the, on the rough side and didn't have a whole lot. And he said, I had a family. And, and, and he said, sometimes we didn't have a whole lot to eat. And he said, I, I'd see my little mama come out the back of the house and she'd come through that screen door. And he said, there was a little shed there on the property. And he said, my mom would come out the back door. And she'd head over to that shed. And, and he said, she'd lock herself in that shed. And he said, we knew while mama was in there, we weren't to bother her. We weren't to, we, we weren't to distract her. And she'd go in there. And, and Brother May said day after day, he said, I'd see my little mama come out of that shed. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to feel this right now, brother. I'm telling you what. And he said, I'd see my little mama come out of that shed. And her eyes were swollen and bloodshot. And you could tell that tears were steaming down her cheeks. And, and she'd go in that shed and she'd say, God, I don't have a whole lot to feed my kids. God, we don't have any food in the cupboard. God, I need you to do something. God, I need you to do a miracle. And she'd come out of that shed. And I haven't cried and walked with God and spent time with God. And Brother May he said about that time he said a car would pull down the driveway and he said the neighbors would come or the church members would come and they would say Mrs. Jackson well God laid you on our heart and we sort of figured that maybe you needed a little something to eat today and so we had plenty left over and so we brought you this and we brought you that and by the way we got a big old basket of biscuits here and he said we'd like to give you these biscuits and Brother May said man they'd slap some butter on those biscuits and maybe some molasses on those biscuits and he said man they'd have a high old time and he said, Mr. Professor, if there's not a God, if there's, I said, if there's not a God, he said, where'd those biscuits come from? I want to tell you what, Calvary Baptist Church, I've not just heard of the blessings of God. I've seen the blessings of God. Hey, listen, if you quit, you're going to miss that. If you quit, You'll miss seeing God do the impossible. You don't have to turn there. 
Remember the story in Genesis chapter 25 or Genesis 45? Isaac has sent his boys to Egypt. Y'all remember that story? He thinks Joseph is dead. Remember the story the sons came back with? They, they took his coat of many colors and they ripped it up, put it in some blood, and they said, Dad, an animal got your, got your son. They thought he was dead. He thought he was dead. His boys go to Egypt to get some food, and lo and behold, the second most powerful man in the world is Bubba. Amen. Brother, Joseph. And that, that story comes out, and, and Joseph sends his brothers back, and he says, go get daddy. And he said, bring him back to Egypt. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to house you. I'm going to take care of you. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 45 that the sons go back, and they say, daddy, daddy, you're not going to believe this, daddy. You're not going to believe this. Joseph is alive. He's alive. Not only is he alive, he's the ruler of Egypt. And daddy, not only that, but he's, he's going to bring us all, including you. He's going to bring us all to Egypt. He's going to feed us. He's going to take care of us. He's going to protect us. He's going to watch over us. And the Bible says that Isaac didn't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Until the Bible says he saw the wagons coming. And when he saw the wagons coming, you know what he knew? It was real. Hey, Calvary, I want to tell you something. I've saw the wagons all the wagons. You say, Pastor, can, can, can we debate after the service? I'd like to talk to you about if there really is a God. You might as well go debate with this sign over here. You might as well not debate with me, my dear friend, because I'm telling you, I've not just heard about his goodness. I've not just heard about his greatness. I've not just heard about his miracles. I've not just heard about his power. I'm telling you, you're looking at a preacher that has experienced the greatness and the power of Almighty God. He's alive. Longevity Longevity lends itself to sight. Hang with me now, Calvary. Number two, longevity, this is a long one. Longevity limits the legitimacy of the critics. Longevity limits the, the, the legitimacy of the critics. This is beautiful. Look at Job 42. How many remember when Job was going through the fire? Y'all remember that? And the Bible says that Job had some friends that came in. Remember the story? And with friends like these, you don't need enemies. Well, they came in, they saw Job in, in his terrible state, and then they began to criticize. And they said, Job, God's judging you. You've, you've sinned against God. This is the judgment of God. God is judging you. God wasn't judging Job. Y'all know the story behind, behind that. And, but wait, look, look at this story in Job 42, verse 7. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, my wrath is kindled against thee, not Job. My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends. For ye have not spoken to me the thing that is right, as my servant Job hath. Therefore, take you now seven bullocks and seven rams and go to my servant Job and, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. <laughs> Look at this, church. And my servant Job shall pray for you. Boy, somebody had to eat some crow. You talk about humbling yourself down. 
And he said, my servant Job shall pray for you. Look at this. For him will I accept. Lest I deal with you after your folly in that ye have not spoken to me the thing which is right like my servant Job. Wow. Jab, 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 cut, cut, cut. So Eliphaz the Timonite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Namathite went and did according as the Lord commanded them. The Lord also accepted Job. Calvary, hear me out tonight. There are three groups of people in this world. There are some who really don't care if you keep going. There are some who are hoping you will keep going. And there are others who are hoping you won't keep going. They want you to quit. They want you to throw in the towel. And by the way, if you quit, you know what you're going to do? You're going to give them exactly what they want. Because this is what they've always said. He won't make it. He won't make it. Oh, holy Joe, he won't make it. He'll be back. That's what they say. That's how the world talks, by the way, isn't it? They'll be back. He'll be back. He'll be back here at the bar. He'll never make it. He'll never survive. He'll never keep up with that church stuff. He'll never, he'll never make it. You know what? That in itself ought to be something that drives people to say, you know what? Just because you said it, I'll never go back. Wait a minute now. You say, preacher, how can Christian people, you know, how, how, can, we, how can we defeat that? And I want to say this often, if you'll let the world see your commitment, they'll shift their criticism somewhere else. If you'll just hang in there. He'll never make it. He'll never make it. Then you make it for a year, and then two, and then three, and then four. For long, they'll be like, we might as well go to somebody else. He's hanging in there. But if you quit, you're going to give the world just what they want. And by the way, you think if I quit and go back to that lifestyle, they'll be my friend. Let me tell you something about the world. If you quit and go back, they'll say, I told you. I told you you wouldn't make it. I knew that church stuff wasn't for you. I told you that you'd be back. I read this story about a man walked into the flower shop on Mother's Day and he said to the florist, what can I get for $3? The owner said this. He said, well, he said, I can, I can give you a dozen carnations or I can give you one rose. And the man said, you mean I can get a dozen carnations for $3, but only one rose? And he said this to the florist. He said, why are the roses so expensive? And the florist said this. It's very simple. The scent of a carnation doesn't last very long. It's sweet for a moment, but it has no longevity. He said, on the other hand, the rose can die. You can, you can crunch it up for potpourri, but he said, even in that way, he said, the rose continues to smell. Longevity. 
You know how we're going to make a difference in this world? You know how we're going to make a difference to your family? You know how we're going to make a difference to this community? By hanging in there. By longevity. By not quitting. Maybe there's someone here tonight and you say, Pastor, been so tempted to throw in the towel. Listen, don't do it. I promise you this. Somebody's watching. I promise you, somebody's watching. Somebody in your family is watching you. A child's watching you. Uh, a parent's watching you. A co-worker's watching you. Uh, 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 somebody's watching you. And if you quit, if you quit and give the devil what he wants, you know what? You're going to do a lot more damage than if you just hang in there and be faithful to the Lord. Longevity lends itself to sight. Longevity limits the legitimacy of the critics. We're done. How about this? I love it though. Longevity lengthens the opportunity for blessing. Now, you say, preach, preach, preach what do you mean? Okay, think, think with me tonight. What if Job had quit? What if he quit? Think about that. What if Job had quit? Over the second or, or, or third trial, okay? Uh, one of the first things that happened with Job, Job lost 500 yoke of oxen. Think about that, 500 yoke. A yoke's two. He lost 500 yoke of oxen. Okay, you say, okay, don't mean a whole lot to me. All right, but it'd be like you losing 500 backhoes. It'd be like you going out here and buying a brand new John Deere tractor front end loader, bush hog on the back of it. It's got all the attachments, all the bells and whistles. It'd be like you losing 500 John Deere tractors. You say, wow, that changes things. You're right, it does. The Bible says this, that he lost 7,000 sheep. Now again, my question is this, what if Job had quit? But because Job didn't quit, you know what happened? He got to see the miracles of God. Now look in your Bibles, Job chapter 42 and verse number 10. The Bible says, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Look at this, here it is. Also, the Lord gave Job, what's the word? Twice, Twice as much as he had before. Now here again, we're done, but listen to this. What if Job had quit? What if Job would have listened to Mrs. Job and cursed God? Job would have missed seeing the miraculous. Job would have missed seeing the hand of God had he quit, but hallelujah, Job hung in there and Job exhibited longevity. The going was tough, but Job said, I'm gonna hang in there and Job stayed with the stuff and because of that, thank God, he had the opportunity to see the blessing of the Lord. Second Kings chapter 20, you don't have to turn there. Second Kings chapter 20 tells us a story about a king by the name of Hezekiah. The Bible says it. God came to his prophet Isaiah. He said, Isaiah, I want you to go to the king and this is what I want you to tell him. Set thine house in order for thou shalt die and not live. And so Isaiah the prophet did what God told him. He went to King Hezekiah. Well, can you imagine? Can you imagine going to the president of the United States and saying, well, by the way, God said you're getting ready to die. He goes to the king and he said, this is the message, king. God said, set thine house in order for thou shalt die. You're not going to live, thou shalt die. But you know what I love about Hezekiah? Hezekiah didn't give up. The Bible says that Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he began to pray and he began to pour his heart out to God and he said, God, you know my lifestyle. You know my testimony. You, Lord, you know, you know. And, and by the way, wonderful story. You need to go read it sometime. The Bible says that before Isaiah even got out of the palace, the word of the Lord came to the prophet. 
And God turned him around and said, Isaiah, go back to the king and tell him I've heard your prayer. And not only am I going to heal you, but he said, I'm going to extend your life for 15 more years. If Hezekiah would have quit, he would have missed seeing the blessing of God. Are y'all tracking with me tonight? I think about the story in 2 Kings chapter 5. You know the story, don't you? The Bible says that a man by the name of Naaman, he was mighty, he was a mighty man. The Bible says that Naaman was a leper though. And he heard the story that there was a man of God. His name was Elisha. And so the Bible says it, Naaman and all his entourage, they go down to the prophet's house and Elisha doesn't even go to the door. He sends a little servant boy, preacher boy, sends preacher boy to the, the door. Doesn't even go to the door. This preacher boy goes to the door and, and he says, the man of God said, go down here to Jordan, dip seven times, you'll be healed. And the Bible says that Naaman was, he was wroth. He stomped off and, and he said, surely I thought he'd come out and I, I thought he'd say, be healed, come out, you know. And I thought he'd do a Benny Hinn on me just as sure as the world. I knew he would. And, and uh, you, read the, you read it, I'm not making that up. You read that yourself. I thought he'd come wave his hand over the place and man, I thought he'd knock it out of me and say, come out and all this kind of stuff. And, and he said, are not, uh, you know, are not the, my rivers back where I come? Are they not, not more clear and more pristine? And, and he wants me to go down here to the muddy Jordan and dip in the muddy Jordan. And his servant said, master said, uh, if he'd asked us some kind of hard thing, wouldn't you have done it? All he's asked you to do is go dip in the Jordan. And the Bible says that Naaman goes down to the Jordan. Can't you see this? Don't y'all want to see some of this in heaven one of these days? I hope God has a glorified DVD player and he'll rewind some of this stuff. <laughs> and Naaman goes down and he dips in the, the old muddy Jordan River and he comes up once. He said, I told you. He dips twice, comes up, still's got that, still has that leprosy. But here's my point. He didn't quit. He didn't quit. I'm sure the enemy was saying, man, this is, this is nonsense. This is foolishness. You're a powerful man. You have prestige. You have fame. This is foolishness. I'm sure that everything inside of him was saying, quit, 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 quit. But thank God he kept on dipping. And he dipped a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time and a sixth time. And he still had that leprosy. But oh, my dear friend, when he came up the seventh time, amen, the Bible says his flesh became as a little child. And listen, the leprosy was gone. The disease was gone. What are you saying? I'm saying, hallelujah. He didn't quit. He stayed with it. Amen. The father was trying to, to get his son to not quit so easily. And he said to his son, son, you got to hang in there. Don't quit. He said, you got to hang in there. He said, look at Abraham Lincoln. He didn't quit. He said, son, look at Thomas Edison. He didn't quit. He said, son, look at, look at Douglas MacArthur. He didn't quit. He said, son, he said, look at Elmo McCringle. And his son said, who is Elmo McCringle? And his daddy said, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Amen. He quit. And you never heard anything about him. Dr. Lee Robertson used to say, quitters never win and winners never quit. You know what would be a good idea is for some to go home tonight and get your dictionary off your shelf and take some scissors 
and cut the word quit out of your dictionary. Just cut it out. Cut it out tonight. Cut it in little pieces. Throw it in the trash can. Don't even allow the word quit to be in your vocabulary. Don't even allow the word quit to be in your dictionary. By the way, Calvary, for what it's worth, I believe we're close. I believe the coming of the Lord is close. And if you quit now, I believe in just a few days, you're going to be sorry you did because I believe Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And if you quit, you'll miss seeing the greatness of God. Hey, don't quit. Don't quit. Keep, keep hanging in there. Longevity. Stay with the stuff. Stay, stay with it. Hang in there. Hang in there. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you for this time that we've had together tonight. Lord, I pray that you're working hearts this evening. I do believe that this is the will of God for this service tonight. And so because of that, Lord, I believe that there's someone here this evening that needed to hear this message. Lord, it could be someone's watching by way of live stream and they were on the verge of quitting. Lord, it's very possible that there's someone in this service that's discouraged about something. And the enemy has come and the enemy has said, just throw in the towel. It's not worth it. Just quit. And Lord, tonight I pray that you'd give us some Christians at Calvary Baptist Church who will say, Lord, would you give me the wherewithal to stay with the stuff? Lord, help me to be a Christian that has permanence, durability. I'm going to be in my place doing what I'm supposed to do for the cause of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'll bless in this invitation. Do something special tonight, please. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed tonight. Let's all stand around the church this evening. Altar is wide open tonight. It could be this message was just preventive maintenance tonight for somebody. But it's very possible there's somebody here tonight and man, you're right there on the edge. You were on the precipice. Satan had came. Well, you know what, Calvary, it's easy if we're not careful. It's easy to get our eyes off Jesus and get our eyes where they shouldn't be. And that's what the devil's been trying to do. He's trying to get your eyes off the Lord, trying to get you discouraged. Longevity, longevity, hang in there, hang in there. Don't quit for anything in the world. Keep on keeping on. We're gonna pause just for a few minutes and we'll sing in a minute, maybe. And if you need to come, the altars are open tonight. Let's do business with the Lord. If, you, if you're here tonight and you need prayer, we'll be glad to pray with you tonight. If you're watching by way of live stream and you don't know Christ as Savior, would you call that prayer helpline tonight? If you've got a heavy burden, it could be there's somebody watching tonight and you feel like you're on your very last leg in life. Say, Pastor, I don't think I'll make it another day. Would you call that prayer helpline? We sure would like to pray with you tonight.
Let's do business with the Lord tonight. We're going to pause just for a moment, all right? You come while we wait.